You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan of Acme Packet Company and the Shepherd Express. And uh, I guess this is most accurately described as the Joe Barry should probably be fired right now podcast, but will be not right now. It'll be later. We just got destroyed by Tampa. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield just put up the first opposing perfect passer rating in the history of Lambeau Field which is, as all of you may know, a very old field where many people have quarterbacked. Although, you know, the Bears have brought in like a quarter of those, so that explains, you know, part of that stat at least. Uh, but Joe Barry uh, has now two consecutive weeks made the NFL or the NFC Offensive Player of the Week happen. Uh, Tommy DeVito won it last week and Baker Mayfield won it this week. And I feel like this game was really the tipping point for a lot of people because even watching tape the first time, second time too, but the first time, it was very clear that like scheme was the problem, that they just weren't being smart about defense. And so we all expected the hammer to drop, and it didn't kind of. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to all that crap. So, so to help us bury uh, shit, to help us... Uh, <laughs> dang it, there's no way to end that sentence. <laughs> to help us bury Joe Barry first in Urquhartosa... <laughs> Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And when you've lost The Onion, the great satirical oh, yeah. publication that skewered the Packers' decision to put uh, put their secondary, you know, in, in Escanaba, as Andy Herman put it. Um, <laughs> when you've lost The Onion, you've lost America. Yep. And uh, this, was, this was a galvanizing moment, unlike something I've really seen before. Obviously, there's been discontent around Joe Barry for the last, you know, certainly on this podcast, but in general, I would say there's been some discontent the last uh, couple of years. But uh, but this is really like, uh, this is a course, a central issue has arisen. Packers Nation has united. It's in a way beautiful, except it's, you know, with pitchforks in hand. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a tough scene. I, I, I'm, I don't know how you, I, I'm surprised that they didn't move on instantaneously. Same I know here. that's, you know, that's probably reacting to the reaction a little bit, but like they're you know, the Eagles moved on. The Eagles, a team that is is falling from the race here, not from the race, they're still going to the playoffs, but like they they made a move at defensive coordinator. Maybe it didn't do them a lot of good, and I'm not sure the Packers would either, but <laughs> I, I'm surprised that a team that still really has a chance with a strong finish to get into the playoffs didn't decide, you know what, it's now or never, let's do it. The the Ned Yost move that the Milwaukee Brewers made in 2008, it probably won't matter, but it might. It might. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Yeah, I, I 
I am disappointed they didn't do it. Uh, like the Eagles, but if if nobody's watched the Eagles this year, they're the Vikings from last year. They are frauds. I know they were in the Super Bowl like a year ago, but they are absolute frauds. They have like the worst defense in football. They have the worst EPA per play in football. And um, uh, while I would never advocate for replacing anybody with Matt Patricia, which is what they did, um, <laughs> I, I still think it was warranted because you had to do something. You, you can't just let that go. It's really bad. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I feel like you at this point run a risk of losing the locker room if you don't make a move because uh, surely uh, all of the defensive players on the Packers now see the reaction out there. They have to sit through tape with this guy. And just uh, Devondre Campbell seemed basically fed up with like taking strays that are intended for Joe Barry. He just he just did, um, you know, getting strung out to dry, uh, covering Chris Godwin for like the whole game has to just tick you off. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is definitely like a you may have some knock on problems by keeping Barry around kind of problem thing here. Like this is bad. You, you got to do something. You got to hold people accountable. And. I hate it when people say like, "Oh, the media has to hold people accountable." Like, uh, that's usually for fans who are just mad. But like, you actually in an organization when uh, when a leader is failing, you actually do have to hold him accountable because the people he's leading will not follow him if you don't do that. And that's the big big risk here. And they're still alive for the playoffs. Like, the season's not over. You, <laughs> like, uh, so annoying. Anyway. We'll, we'll do this for another 45 minutes or Speaking so. Speaking of annoying, my name is Matt, you can call me. Hell yeah. Good work. Weaver, well done. So I take issue with Andy Herman saying that uh, they lined up in Escanaba. Why is that? Because it was the wrong direction. Because it was a day game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 All right. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, for those who don't get the reference, Escanaba into Moonlight is a masterpiece of stage and film. Um, and might as well be a documentary about my family. It is Carrington yes. Carrington Valentine on the Onion picture, right? That is. It is yes, Carrington Valentine, the first Packers cornerback in space. I wish, uh, if I were him, I would have that framed and put it in my office forever. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I know we'll talk a lot about weighing the pros and cons of of why why not make a move now, and you kind of just laid some of that out. You know, I would say because it is a young team because. Carrington Valentine and many other guys on this team are first and second year players. I, I don't, I don't know if that's a good like. Maybe that's a a good thing to keep the continuity there. Like you, you know, you don't want to just kind of, I don't know, throw throw something completely new with three weeks to go. Like that could also be a problem. That could also be a wrench in the locker room. But on the other hand, younger guys might be a little more receptive to the outside noise too. Like veterans have been through this before. If you've played NFL football, you've probably been around a coordinator who's come under fire before. Like that's not unusual in the NFL. So I could see that, that, you know, that, that could also be an issue. I mean, some of it might just be taking a temperature of the locker room, which is why I do defer to Matt LaFleur's, you know, Matt LaFleur's ability to read his room in this case. Um, and, And, you know, for Matt LaFleur, I'm thinking, this is the last the the last new hire, right? You got to get this one right because the several you special do. teams coordinators hasn't worked, haven't worked. You'll be on your third defensive coordinator. I think we all assume that the end for Joe Barry is near, oh, if yeah. not imminent. So uh, after that, it's Lafleur. So like you can understand why there is a hesitation here to make <laughs> sure that you absolutely get this one right because it will reverberate for your own career. Yeah, shields are down after this. This is uh, <laughs> this is Captain, the one you've got. We need more shields. Yep. 
All right. Since we're we're, we're very berry heavy, sh- shall we start with a couple of berry specific Patreon questions? Yes, uh, lots of berries up in here. Like it's a the berry berry waffle. By the way, is a local offering at the North Avenue Grill by my house. My son I loves love the, North the berry Avenue berry Grill. waffle. Yeah, good place. Nice little diner. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Um, berry berry waffle. That is what we have on this podcast. Is a berry berry waffle. Donald Anderson. I don't have a Joe Berry pun, but I do have a '90s album song suggestion for the intro. It is "Rid of Me" by P.J. Harvey. <laughs> He has some lyrics here. Tie yourself to me. No one else. No, you're not rid of me. You're not rid of me. I could sing that, but the tune is only vaguely in my head. I was yeah. not a big PJ Harvey fan, even though PJ Harvey is awesome. Uh, anyway, he said, uh, this is this is the same guy, right? Update. The Packers yeah. have gone one whole complete game since receiving a personal foul. That's probably because you need to be within five yards of the other team's players at some point to foul them, <laughs> which really wasn't their specialty in this game. Here is his question. The Packers have to be the worst defense in the NFL on third down this season. Are they? And if so, how historically bad are they? They're not. Um, they're bad. They're like the fourth worst. But the, the Eagles are actually the worst team on fourth down this year. By a country mile. Um, no kidding. The RB's DM chart actually has to be artificially expanded to fit the Eagles onto the chart for their bad third down defense. It is much larger than all of other years are. Um, do, do, do you have a stat that uh, Matt Schneidman dug up and was expanded on by Bill Barnwell, um, which is that over the last three seasons, the Packers defense is 25th in third down conversion rate with four yards or fewer to go. <laughs> um, when ESPN's data has them playing zone, which they always do on third and four or less, that drops to 30th. Teams are converting 68% of the time against the Packers in those situations. So um, they're bad. How much bad. of the 32% do you think is like errant passes or checking into runs that didn't work? It's all just Justin Fields airmailing crap. And like, <laughs> that's that's it. Like, look at the schedule we play this year. There's no good quarterback. It, it's, it's Mahomes, who we actually beat. And then it's Goff and Herbert. And everybody else is trash. Like, <laughs> so... Uh, I was thinking about a 90s album to counter Donald Anderson's. And I I, I want to say Hook by Blues Traveler. I because... don't think that's the name of the album, but you can get away with the song, of yeah. course. The song. It's a single. It's the name of the Brings single. Back. Which is sure, sure. I like it. I like it. Um, Because on third down, the hook brings you back. Mm. I ain't telling you no lie. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a route. Hook. Indeed. I got it's it. I got it. We got it. We got it. Yes. We understand. Whatever. That was good. You got, I gave you cold and I get nothing. <laughs> cool. Yeah. The, right. the, the, the number of screenshots or screenshots, heck, just film of, you know, guys just completely wide open all game long. There's no secret here. I mean, there'd be two defenders there and they would neither be in the, in the, in the area of the receiver. They were, you know, Baker Mayfield just didn't have to make any difficult throws. He's a perfect quarterback rating. Did not have to throw down the field. All he had to do was hit yeah. a guy wide open over the middle all game well, long. It he is has, a football, damning performance. Pro Football Focus said that he threw zero contested catches. That's like a two, wasn't it? Cover. I thought it was two. Uh, something like that. But yeah, it was he was out there playing college in an air raid. Like yeah. that's <laughs> it was like he was back in uh was he Oklahoma there he went? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's he was that's what it was. <laughs> just gruesome. Packers twenty fifth on third downs this year, by the way. Uh, just so bad. Yeah. Pretty horrible. Yeah, my album is Repeater by uh Fugazi, nineteen ninety album. 
again, not a band that I that I followed very closely, but uh, kind of iconic DC DC band, Fugazi Repeater. Same thing over and over and over. And at some point, guys, you just I know many people have pointed this out, but like it's it's the whole definition of insanity thing. Like at some point, there has to be a change. And and you know, like I keep searching for an explanation. Like, it, it, are, are, is it a, a a process of simplifying for a young defense. Is it a process of simplifying for a secondary that's been playing without Jair Alexander? You know, in this game, I felt like they were reasonably healthy. Obviously Alexander wasn't there, but Quay Walker was back. Quay Walker wasn't, was, was not a factor. Like it, it, there's just, I just can't explain it at all. And I'm sure there's something, but I I can't, I can't understand how they allowed this to happen over and over and over. The giants game happens and then they make it worse the next week. I don't understand that. Don't get it at all. It's one thing to have it to come out and have a team have your tape figured out pretty well, but to not adjust back at all. It's just, just bonkers. Like I, I, I'm with you. It's just inexplicable. And while that is Barry's fault, like at some point LaFleur has got to be like, like what the hell man, like Chris Godwin just caught his fourth pass on, Devondre Campbell you want to you want to do something about that now like th- that's got to happen at some point like every, everybody in the stands was doing that so oh man so annoying Tommy DeVito who got sacked time and time again before playing the Packers stays upright the entire game last week gets sacked seven times then yep this week against the Saints gets buried by the Saints I mean it isn't it, the Packers are the outlier they are the defensive outlier for these guys Everybody's got it figured out but us. We're dumb. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, we can keep rolling through some of these questions. I know these are all kind of connected. Let's do it. So Let's do the berries. Pat- Patrick Detmer says his uh, episode title recommendation is M. Berry Sing or Bury the Lead. So we did ask uh, after for these. Throw- I do want to just point out, we have used Bury the Lead before, not once, but twice. <laughs> so we're oh, not no. doing it again. <laughs> hey, doing the same thing over and over and over of insanity or whatever maybe we should do it a third time <laughs> it seems should. like that would be the <laughs> maybe it'll work this time yeah uh, after throwing his players under the bus in his monday press conference is matt lafleur now at risk of losing the locker room and becoming the seymour skinner meme am i so out of touch no it's the players who are wrong <laughs> no it's the players who are wrong um also and th- this is a. Uh, uh, another question, Evan, Evan, not Tex Weston. <laughs> we make jokes about Lafleur's big weakness being hiring his friends instead of capable assistant coaches, but watching Lafleur's Monday press conference and seeing his full-throated defense of Barry at the expense of his players, I'm wondering if the joke, the joke's humor, is running out. Regardless of his play calling or quarterback development ability, is Lafleur's inability to put together a halfway decent staff a fireable offense? How could you trust him to hire a new defensive coordinator? Yeah. I, I think. Should I read? Oh, oh yeah. Go ahead, go we, ahead. There's a third. Yeah. Let's just do that because they're all similar. All right. Let's just power through, Scarf. baby. We're all we're gonna deal with it all. We should at once. Scarf twenty one. But yeah. Of course we will. Yeah. <laughs> the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over, Heck but yeah. expecting different results. Matt Lafleur has stuck his neck up for Joe Barry time and time again while expecting different results, and it seems his stubborn loyalty will lose him a lot of goodwill among the Packers fandom. What do you think happens first? Matt Lafleur finally caves and decides to fire Barry, or someone higher up? Finally having enough time, finally having enough and getting rid of both Barry and Matt LaFleur. This isn't the first time a promising or talented quarterback has been hindered by an underperforming defense. And I have to imagine there is at least one person in the room who knows that all too well. So he'll he's going to get rid of Barry. At, at the end of the season, Barry's done. But like I do think you run some risks keeping him around for three games as an obvious lame duck. I, I always hate having lame ducks in the room. If it were me, and I like I, I do understand there's not a great 
like fit for a guy to take over. Like I get that their their staff is a little weak. We'll get to that later. Um, but like if this is me, I am still calling in people. I'm promoting some guy who's maybe too young for the job to try him out. I don't know who, but I would. I'm calling in coach friends who aren't in bowl games from colleges, just as consultants. And I'm telling Joe, like, he, hey, you can either resign and say you're going away with family, or we'll keep you around as a lame duck for a while, but you're not doing anything, and uh, we're going to be moving on. Like, thank you for your service, et cetera, and do that. Like, but players are going to be around next year, and you have to maintain their respect. Like, coaches have to be able to coach, and if they think that you're just a, a, a lame walkover, who throws them under the bus at the expense of his friends? That's not good. That's very bad for you. It's bad for your leadership ability. Like, um, and th- that press conference defending Joe Barry, like, blame's got to go somewhere. It did seem to me like it was going towards the players, the uh, like on-field he, decisions. He straight up said it was a communication. He problem. did. That's well. That's ambiguous, though, right? That yes, yeah, yeah, I suppose. But like, if you're the it guy- certainly doesn't read though as. We have to do better as coaches with that. It reads it as yeah. everybody's culpable. And I get why Green Dot players were ticked off about it. <laughs> um, but yes, so this I don't think he thought was thinking about player reaction when he gave that press conference. I think he was totally thinking about Joe Barry uh, taking heat and wanting to take pressure off him. He's going to go somewhere. And uh, now he's ticked off people that will be around next year. That's not good. It's a bad situation. He should not have done that. Um, so, I I want to speak directly to not Texas question there. <laughs> okay, um, like not being able to put together a good staff is that a fireable offense? So I used to work for a company that uh, was big into uh, metrics to a fault. So like performance reviews came on a one to five scale, and you were forced to have a bell curve. Forced curves had annoying, them. but okay. And it, if you were good at your job, eventually you would get promoted beyond where you should have been peter principle yeah and so you would have these engineers who were awful with people but just gifted engineers suddenly in charge of a team and it goes really poorly and so maybe some people just aren't cut out to be in charge of putting other people in charge and should just only control the offense (laughs) (laughs) i also just don't like uh We've talked about Barry as a nepotism guy because he's Rod Marinelli's son-in-law, which is true. Um, But one thing I don't like about the NFL in general and about this specifically is when you do have a friend on staff, it's difficult to evaluate them properly. And it's even more difficult to move on when you should. And uh, loyalty um, is not about taking care of your friends. Loyalty is about having the trust of someone who will work hard for you while you work hard for them. And if you stop getting results or working hard for them, then it's not loyalty anymore. It's, it's something else. It's charity. It's manipulation. What, what is, why is he going to bat for him other than their buddies? Like this is, seems like, like a, a drinking buddy taking one for the team to what end? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is three seasons of this now. So I'll set up for for him uh, to a small degree in this regard. I know there's a lot about hiring your friends and whatnot, and they did work together for one year prior to him hiring uh, hiring Joe Barry as defensive coordinator. You know, I know we we love the idea of uh, uh, God, why why is this name so hard for me to say? It's Ijiro, it's it's Ajiro Evero. Yeah. Now they they had worked together too. They were close. So like that's part of what put 
him, Evero, into the conversation as a possibility at this in this last hiring cycle. So it would have been, I guess, a similar situation that way. I mean, and ultimately, if you work together for three years, I would expect that it's not cold, that there is a camaraderie that you would want to go to bat for them in some regard. Obviously, there's a point where it becomes too much and you have to be you have to be able to rise above the relationship that you've built and say this is hurting our football team i i i, I suspect at least in his head there is some reason some calculation why he believes keeping him around for these last three games that goes beyond simple loyalty makes sense you know maybe he feels like there isn't someone that they can naturally get in there who would surpass what they're capable of doing with joe barry already in there and he's framing it this way so that it doesn't straight up sound like anything like it doesn't sound directly like you know here's our calculation he's not going to lay all of that out and, and it, it comes across as sounding like i'm just standing up for my guy and that's it but um you know i i do think it's a little more complicated than that but but still i agree with you on principle that there has to be you know, you have to you have to acknowledge what's not working about your football team. And if you still have a shot at the playoffs with three games left, three winnable games. Yeah. I know that the last two make it seem like nothing's winnable, but these three games are still winnable. You have to do what you can to get your team to the playoffs. I mean, these guys only have like eight NFL years in them, even if they're really good. You know, like it's yes. such a short career. You can't throw away a season looking ahead to the future. You know, like that's what you're talking about. Lame duck coordinator. You got to go for what's there now. That's the only thing you can play for here. Yeah. If you're going to put it so, on your players, too, you need to just eat it. You need to be like, this is my fault. Um, I was not diligent enough in our, you know, whatever. You, you have to take that one for yourself if you're going to do that. So I, I have, a, once again, experience in the corporate world very similar to this, where there was a new global director who hired a manager who was awful. And it was this global director's first ever hire. And so anything bad that you said about this manager who was terrible at their job the global director took personally because that was their hire. Their guy, yeah. And yeah, it's this is what it's feeling like at this point that like Lafleur is taking these things personally. It's like you're insulting the guy that I chose. You're insulting me. Yep. By the way, yeah, and you you see this with draft picks too. That's why draft picks stick around longer than undrafted guys. You know. Yep. Yeah, that's true. You know who has the best third down defense in the NFL? Is it the Vikings? It is the Panthers. Oh, what? why? Is it because it, wait, is it because they never get to third down? Is that why? <laughs> nope, they have a negative, uh, like a negative point three one EPA on third down passes. They are far and away the best drop back EPA on third down in the league by a lot. That's wild. Yeah, like point, I, I need. Yeah, but I need to see the rest of the stats on that. Like how often they see third down, how often they see third and short, how often it's a running play. <laughs> Any context, because the Panthers are doo doo butt. They are doo doo butt cheeks, but they they have Ezra Evero as their defensive coordinator, and they're good at third down. So, yeah, I think one thing that sort of makes this an even bigger issue right now is that Brandon Staley just got fired. And if you believe in this scheme, I mean, the, Joe Barry was hired because he had worked with Brandon Staley at the, yep. with the Los Angeles Rams, and how impressed that both Sean McVay and Matt Lafleur are with that scheme, with that Fangio scheme. Joe Barry was essentially the guy that he trusted to implement that very same scheme. And Brandon Staley, the guy who was hired away to be the head coach of the Chargers, now a free agent. So, I mean, obviously, it's it seems like a majorly tough sell to bring in somebody from the outside at this stage of the season. But, like, it's easy to see. And with Robert Sala on the hot seat, you know, it is so easy. Jim Leonard's still out there. Yep. So easy to see that there are options right now. So that's also adding to the issues for Packers fans. Yeah, the scheme seems figured out at this point. Like, the Fangio scheme seems played out. It doesn't seem to work anymore, kind of across the board. 
Um, it's always looked better with great players when you've had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but like it's a, uh, I feel like it has some weaknesses that everybody's figured out how to exploit and are hard to fight back against. And Joe Barry is not going to figure that kind of thing out. He's not one of the geniuses running it. So um, maybe it'll come back later. But right now, I feel like if I'm a Fangio tree guy, I'm learning a new scheme at this point. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, can we move on to Richard Proctor's question? You want sure. to mention like the how open K to Otten was? I mean, we can talk like about the, we can talk about the game, but I feel like there's not actually that much we, to talk about. Like the Tampa no. just ran the same play. Like they ran like the same three plays over and over. Like God, God went on Campbell, hit him. Hit, got Rashad White out of the backfield, hit him. Um, and like close to the goal line, just like whoever was open, I guess. <laughs> um, well, so it was take eleven personnel audible to five wide. Yep. Uh, have some motion to check for man. See that it's man with with a without a fifth man match. Right. And then run that fifth guy at at the at linebacker. Campbell. Yeah. That was that that was the play that yeah. worked and, every and, single time. And it, it often was the case that we had corners lined up on Rashad White on. What's that stupid tight end, like H back guy's name who caught a touchdown? Co Kieft. Oh, Kieft. Uh, yeah, but that was the his first catch ever. It was, but they so. kept splitting him out wide and eating coverage with him. Like, um, they were like, I feel like they were trolling with with some Co Kieft routes. So he didn't. He only caught the one, but, um, but like it, it was such an obvious plan. Like you know, <laughs> like that was the plan, and it it's not that hard to fight back. Also, they did not really kill us on the ground. Like, they were fairly effective running on the ground. But if ever Joe Barry wanted to take Devondre Campbell off the field and stick another corner out there, would have been a good time for it. <laughs> Doesn't a lot of the time. Didn't in this game. Yeah, I couldn't tell if Campbell's tweet about how frustrated he was and, like, not playing through injuries anymore and needs to, needs to look out for himself first. My initial reaction to that was that he was upset with the fan reaction. Um, you can read it a few different ways. You could read it as like upset with the coaching, upset with the combination of the things. Like I'm sick of defending myself. Like you said, defending myself with the coaches are the problem. I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, he, he had just a really bad game again. Like Matt, Matt loves to say, he's got a case of the olds. Everyone sees that. <laughs> like it's, he does. Okay, it's over for him. Thing, that's, I still to this moment think it is he's talking about the fan reaction because people went back and found my old tweets where I said he was cooked for the last like month and a half and we're putting them out into the world. So there were people who were name searching him with cooked or old. Yeah. Fans were definitely mad at him. I actually, I'm not that mad at him. It's not his fault. He had to guard Chris Godwin. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's not. No, uh, okay, so Richard Proctor says, in the same way I rely on you all to tell me who is and who isn't a good college player, I'm going to rely on you to tell me who is a good DC replacement. Is Robert Sala actually good? Is the Jets' defensive DVOA good this year? Does DVOA even matter anymore? Is there ROPS for defensive coordinators? Help us sound smart through your hours of labor. There's should not. We, should... Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt the need to dig up one metric that I thought was interesting, which is... Um, the, the, the Vikings, of course, um, were pretty much the equivalent of the Packers on defense last year. They were 24th and 25th in DVOA. Both, uh, well, not both. We have a young roster. The Vikings had an aging roster, really in decline. Uh, they moved on from, everybody remember who the, the DC was for them last year? 
uh, I, I won't do it, Matt. It was Ed Donatel. Um, Ed Donatel, famous for the fourth and twenty-six play. Um, they got rid of Ed Donatel after one year uh, as the Vikings' defensive coordinator to hire Brian Flores. Um, Brian Flores has done a great job, but more than anything, you know what he's done? He runs the most blitzes and the most dropping eights into coverage and nothing else. And the Vikings are fifth in DVOA on defense, dominating the crap out of people, uh, sandwiched between the 49ers and the Cowboys on defensive metrics everywhere. And uh, I think what you really need to look for is that, and that is not emblematic of just like being a wild, crazy guy. The Vikings understand that when third down comes up, you got to get yourself off the field. And they bring creative pressure, they take chances, and they basically use drop eight to confuse and to create third downs. And then on third downs, they go nuts and try and kill the quarterback and take risks, and it works because that's what you want. Uh, And uh, it's funny, it's like the same guys that are going to be available. It's like going to be... Jim Leonard and Ishiro Evero if Carolina completely changes things. <laughs> and, 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 and Robert, Robert Sala. Yeah, and Robert Sala. <laughs> so um, I, I actually, like, I, who knows what Leonard will do because he's kind of a weirdo. But, like, if I, I'm, a Ryan Tree guy is probably not terrible um, with the way that offenses play now. I, I think Leonard would probably be fine. I think Evero is a really good coordinator. I saw some people um, today saying the only problem with getting Evero as your defensive coordinator this year is th- there's a good chance he'll be up for head coaching jobs pretty soon. <laughs> so, um, he, by the way, Evero's g- scheme isn't that different. He is a kind of Fangio tree guy. I think he's just kind of smarter about it. Like, being a de- defensive coordinator... He's, he's creative. He's he creative. run his, his yeah. scheme fault. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity... But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, Tom Silverstein pointed this out on the Green 19 podcast, that one thing LaFleur did not do is have some sort of senior analyst or senior consultant. You know how so many teams have guys that aren't technically the main coaching staff, but could step in yeah, if something like goes wrong. Like a Clements wrong. for the defense, you know? For sure. Like, for like sure. a Mike Patton. For the- <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's missing on this staff. And you would think that one of the correctives would be, you know, hire two guys next year. Hire, hire a defensive coordinator and have somebody there just in case as another guy to bounce ideas off of. It's going to take money. Uh, they spent that. They spent money on the special teams when the special teams needed addressing. It's going to take money and it's going to take convincing. And I don't know if it's doable even, but – Got to you. Got to try something like that. So, someone who I believe would be a phenomenal senior defensive assistant, 
analyst is sitting on his couch right now with his job up in the air for next year because he doesn't know what's going to happen in Wade Phillips because the <laughs> XFL and the USFL are merging. And so we don't know what teams are going to be. Winning. How old's Wade now? Like 100? Yeah, I think he's 75. Okay. Nah, not too bad. But I'm just saying, I am once I'm not, again, I'm not saying make him the DC. I'm just saying, like, consultant. Like, yeah, he's the kind of guy you could have doing that, you know, come yeah. in 10 hours a week and fix obvious crap. Yeah. I am once again brought back to the, I'm sure I've said this before on this podcast. I always think back to the, the one Harry met Sally, Carrie Fisher's character, who is constantly telling her friends, he's, he's never going to leave her. He's never going to leave her. And her friends are like, no one thinks he's going to leave her. Yeah. That is the energy I'm bringing into <laughs> Wade Phillips. By the way, JR, totally. it's upset. never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I am upset that my When Harry Met Sally joke went undiscussed. That I was so proud of that. Uh, can you refresh my memory, Matub? I, okay, I so, hate to so, say. So JR mentioned this exact reference. Yes, into the, I, I the always DMs. do. And I said, uh, like, Oh man, my exact wording I lose, but I basically did the the speech at the end, the I love it speech. Oh yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. about Joe Barry, like like yes. I love it that it takes an hour and a half for you to call a change to your personnel, and I love <laughs> it that you're calling soft zone on third down, and I love it that you're not expecting a pass when it's seventy degrees outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Green Bay Packers, when you know you want to spend the rest of the season with someone, you want to do it as soon as possible. There has to be a change at defensive coordinator. Yep. Oh, CJR, right. like I was hoping for you to bring it home. That's that's what I wanted. Thank you. Yeah, I I did get that reference. I remember it now. I did not respond, and I apologize. Uh, a couple more questions that uh, that uh, we'll we'll read off here that are related to what we we're just talking about here. Do you believe that Lafleur will hire a DC that runs a similar style Fangio scheme, which has shown to be antiquated in lieu of changing schemes? That's from Rob Regis. Prime Eddie Lacy says, given that we'll be searching for a new coordinator. How do you know if a defensive coordinator is any good? Offensive coordinator is mostly about plays, so an NFL team might hire you as an AI chatbot trained on Shanahan calls. Yep. As discussed on this pod a few months ago, DC seems a lot harder to learn. Where are the successful Belichick Saban trees? Some theories, defense is pure statistical noise, so no DC is actually any good. Or B, about Jimmy's and Joe's rather than X's and O's. Or C, about communicating complex concepts to your players effectively. Like uh, they're, they're referencing some video of Saban explaining coverages. Yeah. So I think, yeah, all that stuff makes sense. It does. And I think this is much more of a savant thing than it is a style thing. I, I honestly don't think that defensive scheme matters much at all. Uh, like we just mentioned Evero. And I do think Matt's Matt's right. Like he's good in that scheme because he just is creative and he attacks weakness and he changes things, you know, to attack the other team's weaknesses where Joe Barry doesn't. Joe Barry runs the same thing for every team he plays. <laughs> Is it's it's frankly bizarre, but like where it, you where you start what, lining up doesn't matter. It fun like every team's offense is different, and your ability to react to that is your biggest asset. The only way to judge that in and you know uh, in, as like an interview guy like is to actually ask the guy like what do you do when you see these formations, and hopefully you get a good answer and not you know something stupid like we're doing now. So. I think it was a couple weeks ago. Was it Barnwell who wrote the article that was like Joe Barry made a scheme set up to stop guys like Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Yes, but he gets beat by Tommy DeVito. Yeah, For well, because there's just no adjustment at all. To... <laughs> there's not. Are you it's saying there's, are you saying there's no adjustment to Tommy DeVito, or there's no adjustment in the scheme? No adjustment in the scheme. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you, you don't. 
You don't have to prepare for the worst against Tommy DeVito. You can go after him, guys. That's the thing that really bothers me, and it's been a common theme this year. When they have a guy, when they play against a quarterback, except for Brett Rippon, where they actually did what they were supposed to, like, apparently uh, he, Joe Barry sees Mar- uh, Brett Rippon, and he knows exactly what to do. Like, go after that guy, can't throw it all. Like, Kenny Pickett's the same quarterback. Baker's kind of the same quarterback after he tore his arm up. His arm's not nearly as strong as it was. Tommy DeVito is garbage. He's a third-string quarterback who gets sacked all the time. And you play this, like, soft shell where you give up these easy throws to these weak-armed stiffs. Like, the only throws they can make. That's all they can do. Part of the reason they always beat the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes gets bored doing that crap. He wants to wing it down the field where the safeties are standing. <laughs> um, it's a little bit of an Aaron problem, actually. But uh, you got to have a defensive coordinator who is a bit of a savant. It's hard, like... Uh, uh, Rob Ryan, uh, I forget which Ryan is which. Which is the smart Ryan? Which is the dumb Ryan? Who's the Wolfman Ryan? Rex is smart. Rex is uh, smart. Rex is the smart Ryan. Rex is smart. Rob is the long-haired who looks yeah, like Michael so McDonald. Y- you have two guys who are brothers, one who looks like the long-haired version of the other, and one of them is like the, one of the best defensive coordinators ever, and one of them is absolutely atrocious. And presumably they know a lot of the same things about coaching defense, <laughs> but it's difficult to tell. Like You really need the genius guy. You can't just take a scheme and be a disciple of it and go and run it without being able to actually make really clever adjustments on the fly, which is a talent, not like a, something you develop. Yeah, very difficult to read, of course. Should We, we should talk about the offense a little bit little before bit, we yeah. go back to Joe Barry. Um, it, was, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it was, again, I think <laughs> Jordan Love got better as the game went on, and uh, I mean, it seems like it's the same things. Like he's he's capable of making these elite elite throws. He's mostly good. The footwork is bad. Yeah. The bending of the arms, like the various you know whatever fundamentals are bad, and somebody's gonna have to clean that up. But I I still think that's probably going to happen to to some degree. He's always gonna have that far in him. Yeah, he is. But uh, I'm still I'm still encouraged with Jordan Love. I, I this certainly wasn't like a step back in my mind. He was okay in this game. He he had, he made some ugly early throws. I actually feel like he kind of kicked it up a notch when. Uh, he, he was backed up and they were backed up in their own end zone and he got hit and he threw a bomb to uh, Jaden Reed that was incomplete. But um, it's one of the best throws I've ever seen him make. He was getting hit. It was and he crazy. winged crazy. He winged the heck out of that thing. Like he got everything into that one. That was a good one. Uh, it, it was not an easy catch to make. And I don't blame Reed for not making it all. He was double covered. But uh, I feel like after that throw, Love was kind of there for the rest of the game. Um, he had a couple stupid um it was either late second or early third quarter um plays where it was like third and nine and he like threw Jaden Reed a one yard stupid flat out thing that they do all the time um and uh LaFleur looked actually ticked at him for not actually throwing it past the sticks so there's some weird stuff like that too but uh, generally speaking I agree pretty good game not bad averagey at least the Packers really not had a 100 yard receiver at all this year nope not a one it is right uh, That's insane. Dontavian Wicks 97 this week is the most they've had in a game. It is absolutely bonkers. Like, you feel like you. How does Christian Watson not just randomly have you know a 70 yard pickup at some point and then just tack on a few to get over? But no, has not happened. They're they're one of the weirdest receiving cores. They're very very balanced. It's still very up for grabs. Who's going to lead the team in receiving yards this year? Everybody's very very close. Even Wicks could still do it. You know what it reminds me of is uh um. Matt Ryan's MVP year, he threw touchdowns to like 16 different receivers. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a very shanny year. And uh, they did that. 
but it's good. Like they've gotten such good development. Uh, Tucker Craft actually passed Luke Musgrave in EPA generated this week, and Dontavian actually passed everybody uh, in the receiving core in EPA created this week. So. I need I need you to explain Dontavian Wicks again to me. He is he is small. He is slow. He's not small. He's not, and that, he is he's not that small, and he's not that slow. Yeah, he's wide open on every play. He is, so yeah. like I but but he was he was slow relative to other receivers. And so was Devontae. Look, I, I am not holding this against him. I'm saying that these are these are traits right. that he clearly does not do not hold him back. Like, how is he? He is he's their best receiver, right? Like, yes, I mean, like, Christian is. Watson's the more talented uh-huh. guy, but he's their best receiver. He's their best receiver, absolutely. So, um, Dontavian Wicks was like the second or third best receiver in college. His second last year, I don't remember if it was junior, redshirt, senior, whatever, but. Um, and then uh, his his college is it Virginia. He he went to I think they, they changed head mm-hmm. coaches from Bronco Mendenhall, who's awesome, to some trash guy who's bad, and they completely fell. Whole team fell apart, not just Dontavian Wicks. Um, but Wicks is like a fun prospect, and and he always was because he was a very good route runner in college, the kind you don't really see, um, like just toasting guys with very Devonte esque moves. Um, but he's not small he's like normal sized for receivers like 6'1 200 ish but he's so he is he is taller than Devonte adams well, he, yeah he's like he what six, really? one and six, half? He, yeah so he's six six one and three eighths okay Devonte is six foot and seven eighths yeah um mm. dontavion weighs six pounds less so i, I have the ras compared yeah, yeah, yeah. Up but here. if you look uh, uh, don't don't tell me answers yet but if first of all if you look at dontavion wicks he has the longest arms uh, he his arms are gigantically long. I don't care what his Raskar said. Go look at him. They look down to his knees. Uh, his catch radius is crazy. It's uh, because he has a short torso and long femurs. Whatever. It still looks that way. <laughs> Second, though, like uh, he is not a blazer at forty yard dash speed, but his ten yard split is very fast. He is yes. he is uh, if you're scouting guys on their ability to make quick cuts and to generate you know uh, opening open spaces. That's a good one. Uh, he accelerates off the line very quickly. He'll get caught up to eventually, but uh, he's actually very, very quick off the line. Mm. Yeah. So his, uh, it's funny. So Devontae's RAS is actually seven two, and Wix is nine one. Wix has got up to nine one. I thought it was in the eights. Huh. So right. it's, I'm looking at it right now, and right. it's because his his ten yard split, his vertical, and his broad. Are crazy explosion. Um, yep, explosion he, and quickness off the line. That is his. He calling has a half card. decent shuttle. It's four two flat. Um, his three cone is six nine one. So not under seven is good for the Packers. That meets the threshold. Um, and that's kind of crazy. That's like the only thing that Devonte actually beats him in is the three cone. Um, yeah. But other than that, Wicks. Oh, and Devonte's forty yard dash, like his flying forty. Whereas, uh, but his, Devonte's. Ten yard split's awful. Yeah, Wicks fell down on draft boards for two main reasons. One of which is his team completely fell apart on him, and uh, he did have a case of the drops in college. And that's one thing I just I stopped caring about. Like you can fix drops. Um, that's one of the most fixable things. So he is their best receiver, and uh, <laughs> he he uh, he's a joy to watch. He's very very fun. Uh, it's it, at this point people know this, but this 2023 draft class, it, it could go down as an all time. It might, you know? it really might. It's very good. Uh, Anthony Johnson is good, and this is at the bottom here. Anthony Johnson and Carrington Valentine are good. Andrews Carlson is whatever, but like not terrible, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Carl Brooks has flashed. Yeah. Tucker Craft and, and Luke Musgrave are both like studs. Jaden Reed, Lucas Van Ness, Wicks, Carl, uh, not Carl, uh, Colby Wooden. Colby Wooden. 
Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you said, Carl Brooks twice. <laughs> I I did. I well, Carl Brooks, Colby Wood. Oh, you know, defensive way, lineman. Uh, Mina Kimes was talking about how good the the skill position draft was, and one of the top's responses to that was Wisconsin sports legend Nate Tice, uh, saying actually Carl Brooks has also been amazing. So <laughs> nice. Um, I will, of course, always like Wicks because he is one of my guys. And while I did rip on Jaden Reed, and Reed, Reed is good, I like Jaden Reed. I do think Wicks is going to be the better prospect, which is mainly what I wrote. And I think that's true. I think he's going to be the better receiver and already is the better receiver. Right, but you, you also did write about how Reed was misused in the situation with MSU as well as like having his grade school buddy as Absolutely. the quarterback. 100%. And there was, there were so a lot that, of actual good mitigating factors for Reed. 100%. Yeah. I realize this is the team that came into the year needing a lot of rookies to get on the field based on their salary cap situation. So some of this might be skewed because they're getting reps. Like I don't, I don't know if Carrington Valentine long term is is a guy, but I, I sure think he is. Yeah, I think he's so. A guy. So, uh, uh, I, so what, I do take that a little bit of a grain of salt. What happens if this is the uh, twenty eleven Seahawks draft? Then and yay. and we we drafted six Pro Bowlers and they all have to get paid at the same time. I mean, good. Jesus. I would love that Wait. to be a problem. That'd be super. Right now, like, there's so many problems to get through first. Yep. But no, but that's the thing. Like, like a team that might miss the playoffs four years from now, they have six pro bowlers that need to get paid with, yeah. with all these other holes. New defensive coordinator. Uh, get it done. <laughs> The uh, the Aaron Jones usage was a little was a little interesting. Was, we should talk about that because it was weird and dumb. Like, um, I think he had eight carries in the opening drive. And, and when that happened, we were all ball. like, "Pitch count was a lie, right?" That's what I thought. It was like, "Okay, pit, pitch count's a lie. He's just going to get like twenty carries in this game." And then it wasn't a lie. He just stopped playing. <laughs> he, he got his ninth carry in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, they just like just blew it early. Like, just used up all their Jones. Like. It's like a video game that has like a you know a bonus button, nitro button, whatever, and you use it all to start the race, and then you're out for the rest of the race, and everybody passes you. That's what you did. Don't do that. What are you doing? Um, uh, Matt had kind of a weird game on offense too. That was also a, a little bit of a bizarre thing. Unless Jones got hurt, which is I don't think he did, but that's all I can really think of. He also seems terrified of Patrick Taylor, which if that's the case, I don't have any use for Patrick Taylor. They stopped running the ball after Jones. Like they they barely ran the ball at all. Yeah, uh, I never thought there'd be a game where you really did kind of miss AJ Dillon, but like he's been so valuable, yep. and uh, not having him seemed to be a big a big issue. It's because it's <sighs> Dylan Sember, baby. Dylan Sember. Uh, I'm going to read a few AJ more. Dylan's a monster in December. If people forgot, I think yeah. I think we got that. Yeah, we got that in the tub. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Very good. You don't have to explain the, explain it when the joke is in the pun. You don't you don't yeah. have to. Uh, okay, I'm gonna read a few more questions because there's a, a lot more Joe Barry stuff. Boy, there is. So uh, so we'll we'll go through it. Obviously, patrons patrons get their questions read. So we will be allegiant to that. But if we don't spend a ton of time, only because we've kind of covered the terrain. Uh, Tim Bronze says, "Why has Lafleur hung on to Joe Barry this long? <laughs> has it gotten to the point where Matt Lafleur should be fired over not firing Joe Barry last year?" I think most of us didn't want him hired in the first place, but hanging on feels like it will be the downfall of Matt LaFleur. I'll, I'll say this too. Like part of what is making this so intense right now is that 
there was a lack of popularity around the Joe Barry hire in the first place. Yeah. So this is like the Justin Harrell principle. I'll call it when fans seem to know right away that it's a bad idea. And it may not be like, it's just, you forget the chorus of, you know, the Rashawn Gary is the other side of it where a lot of people didn't like that. It worked out. So now we're oh, okay. Very we were true. Wrong, whatever. It's fine. But when you are right about it, then it just intensifies, intensifies, intensifies. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah. And uh, self-scouting is a problem that LaFleur has. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think he should be fired over it just yet. But, I mean, let, let's see what happens. If if they end up hiring, like, Matt Patricia over the offseason, then Ugh. then I will change my tune on that. And Why I, would you put that out into the universe? <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's going to be an option. And, um, <laughs> I mean, if they're listening to me um, – and make the decision opposite of what I'm saying. I mean, screw off. You... <laughs> all right. Dr. Hillbilly said, we all know Barry has to go. Yeah. I'd be happy if it happened today, but the defensive coaching cupboard is bare. We have no promising assistance to replace him. That strikes me as a general weakness under Lafleur in the wake of the Hackett and Getsy departures. Are we out of rising stars? And how did the Packers let that happen? I would say that like some of these guys, they're not stars yet only because they haven't had an opportunity to show that they're stars. Like, so many, you know, sometimes when you see lists of, well, who could replace them? It's, it's, you know, quality coordinator or like, you know, like linebackers, coaches, it's, it's guys who just haven't had a chance yet. There are a lot of assistants on this team that most people have not heard of, yeah. but that's true on every NFL team. So there could be a guy there. We don't know. You don't know who's got that genius spark. <laughs> did you know our defensive backs coach is named Ryan Downward? Oh, I down, did, yes, down I've been looking. Yeah. Downward, okay. yeah. And Jerry Mon Jerry Montgomery is the other name that I think a lot of people yeah yeah know probably no probably no but there's a, I mean there's a lot of guys that have been coaching forever and I yeah. you know I I vaguely know the name because I see the coverage in our in our you know on our website but not because like not because I know these guys yep uh, Mark Putscarby says is Joe Barry himself regressing the last few years we ended the seasons really strong against terrible quarterbacks this year we are getting lit up by Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield also what odds do you give the Packers of winning out these last three games he's gotten worse every year um, that is 100% true he's been a mid uh, like a low 20s DVOA guy and then a mid 20s DVOA guy and now a bottom of the barrel DVOA guy so yes um, I would be interested to see if he's gotten any worse or if people have just played against his scheme better. Well, probably that, but that is getting worse. Your, your job Ralph is to Brady. adjust to that happening. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, if you're not growing, you're dying. I get it. What yeah. I'm saying is I just wonder if it's a, if he's not like actively regressing so much as just, this is what he's always been. Uh, that's, I mean, we, we, I think just last week said, um, Maybe it was when they were good against the Chiefs. Like, no, no, he's not good. He does the same. He has the same problem every time. It, it doesn't stop the run. Gets eaten to death on third down. Like, um, and yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of the problems are the same problems that have been happening forever. So that's probably true. They probably start happening more as teams pick up on the fact that they can do that. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? What winning the last three games? Ugh. Yeah. I, I think they'll get by Carolina, kind of no matter what. Although I oh, could even I, don't know, I know, I know, I know. I could see a letdown here because I think like I think the locker room is toxic too. But I, I, like I think that the Vikings or the Bears jump up and get them. So um, so or I, both. I can tell you this: before the Panthers game, um, not not including the Panthers game, the Packers have been favored by odds makers four times so far this year. They have won one of those games. Woo. Um. All their other victories came when they were underdogs. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that was that's sort of a non-statistical way of looking at it when they got to the point of the season where they were so good that now for the first time in the Jordan Love era, they were expected to win football games. How did they respond to that? Obviously, you could say very, very badly. Um, you know, there's there's a much deeper look than that. But yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is the team hasn't handled success. They haven't. Yeah. They- Maybe we shouldn't hire Evero because we are already chargersing pretty hard. <laughs> well, I, so they have the 11th pick in the draft right now. The Packers do, you know, so are we back to that conversation where do you want to beat Carolina? Because if you don't believe that they're going to beat Minnesota and Chicago, then what are they playing for? I mean, obviously, there's a lot if of they lose to Carolina. It hurts the Bears. <laughs> if right. it, it's a fair point. Like if, if you're going to lose one, um, then. You should definitely lose this Go one. Go all in, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one helps you the most. So, yeah. Yeah. I Obviously, they're not going to do that. I, I do think, well, let me let me say it this way. I, I'm actually going to get to do a little more coverage with the Packers. I'm going to possibly be able to go to the last game of the season against <laughs> the Bears. I probably would get to go to a playoff game if they qualify. So, I, I'm, I'm as, a, as somebody who personally would like to do that, I am all in favor of them winning out. Heck, yeah. I do think it's on the table for them only because I, I know that they're capable of it because I, I saw them do that sort of thing. These teams don't scare me that much, but it's just that the Packers the last two weeks don't look like a team that can beat anybody. So I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody can realistically say for sure. Oh, they're going to, they're going to, they can easily win those three games. I don't think easily <laughs> they can, but they so, can and they can do it. I just remembered something. Uh, Packers Panthers 2017. Do you guys remember that game? Not at all. Not even was, that, was that the more points 99 game? So 20, <laughs> yeah. 2017, 2017 was the other time Rogers broke his collarbone. Oh, yes. And, that was and, his first game back. They were still alive. Mathematically Rogers rushed back. They played poorly. And then he went back into hibernation because they had been eliminated with right. the loss. And it's the game where he missed a wide open Randall Cobb and threw his surface. And everybody remembered that. Um, but my, my very favorite part <laughs> is Rogers came back. He's like, hey, I'm coming back this week, but I'm not coming back to save this team. I'm coming back to play football the way I know how to play football. <laughs> then he played one game, they got eliminated, and he, and he shut down for the yeah. rest of the year. Yeah, it was a must-win game, and they lost, so it felt like he played football the way he knows how to play football. He wasn't wrong. I There was a shot of Jordan Love holding a surface on the sideline, which I'm sure there is probably every game. I just happened to notice this one. It was after a, <laughs> a, a bad turn in the game, and I really wanted him to throw it down, but I'm like, Jordan Love ain't going to do that. He's way too nice. He'll, he's just going to ge- – he would gently set it on the ground and be upset. But yeah. uh, he's, he's not there in that stage of his career. I love how, like, barely into his second contract, Jordan Love is, like, so much more Wisconsin than Rogers <laughs> ever was. <laughs> yeah. He's... All right, J.D. said, of all the realistic options, who would you like to see the Packers bring in as the next D.C.? Sub-question. How awesome is it going to be watching Musgrave and Kraft be the next dominating tight end duo in the league? Seriously excited for the future of these two together. Ah, so exciting. And that they do different things. My big fear on Musgrave and Kraft is that Kraft has gotten his opportunities now because Musgrave isn't on the field. And while it is very obvious that they do different things and should and could play together easily, I worry that when Musgrave comes back, that Kraft just isn't out there with him. Um, So that. And I, I would actually yeah. like Leonard still if he's up for it. I like Jim Leonard. I think he is a savant, and I think he would do well. Um, I, I'm, I'm we, for that. I, you know, Brandon Staley, like, I know that he's, nobody's high on him right now, but yeah. 
he was awesome as a Rams defensive he was, coordinator. He was. You could do so much worse. I like than him that. better than Barry. He'd be an upgrade at that. <laughs> but of course. Sorry, Matt. We we saw Kraft and Sims on the field at the same time. That's so a good would... point. That is a good point. Um, when is the last time the league truly saw a complimentary tight end duo? Um, is it Patriots? It's, it's, is it I, I want to say yeah, I want, is it I murder was the Gronk case? And Hernandez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uncomfortable I mean, yeah it's like, Hernandez Gronkowski so it's been it's been over a decade since the league has seen a truly complimentary yep. receiving threat tight end I, I'm yeah. sure there are other examples it's just that's the last one where the where both of them essentially became stars right at it usually Unless there's not enough targets to go at, around for that they were good at different things like yeah well it also took an offense that doesn't need to throw the ball deep and throws it over the middle like they did so yeah. that that obviously helped their receiving numbers um, all right, Jason Albert, what was what was it about the good games, those three fun ones anyway, that masked Barry's flaws? Was it just luck or did he do something different? I know you guys have been saying that he sucks since he was hired, but I was wondering why the D can look okay against good teams sometimes and often like absolute ass against the worst teams. Is it just random variance? I think this is a really good question. I do too. So I, I think I the one that stymies me is actually the, the Lions. I'm actually, in retrospect, very surprised that – Ben Johnson was not able to just eat our lunch with the offensive line that they have with hitting Amon Ra like over the middle a bunch of times. And I don't actually have a great answer for that one. Uh, Andy Reid, I do, though. The 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 Chiefs are, um, they just don't have the horses to abuse the Packers like pretty much everyone else does. That includes the Giants. Like Jalen Hyatt and Wondell Robinson, if they were on the Chiefs, would both be a million times better than pretty much any Chiefs receiver that is on the team. Um they are just Kelsey and Rashi Rice. Uh, Rice is a, a good but not great player so far. Uh, he's very promising. I think he'll be maybe a star later on. But they have so many plays to those garbage slot receivers playing out wide that they actually can't make the same mismatches happen. Like they, like Travis Kelsey, for all of his greatness, um, is still a tight end, and safeties are still something you can do to Travis Kelsey. And so that mismatch is harder to generate. Uh, and Rashi Rice is an outside receiver. He's not a slot receiver. Uh, they have 8 million slot receivers. Uh, but he does kind of have to play outside. MVS does too, but MVS sucks. And so, like, you're trying to create the same kind of mismatches with, like, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony on our linebackers and or Keyshawn Nixon. And it's just not as big a mismatch. Those guys are garbage. They have trouble catching the ball. They're not fast. They're not swift to foot. Kadarius Tony's very stupid. Um, it, it's it's really a problem. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't like to play that game. He likes to tell me how you really feel. I, I love the measured analysis. Like that guy sucks. That guy sucks. That guy's fine. Maybe later though. That guy sucks. That guy sucks. <laughs> You're cool. That trade for I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that trade for Kadarius Tony's gonna gonna haunt them for a, a bit. Um, he's uh, he's not a good player. Um, I just love that they traded like nothing for him. They didn't. Yeah, and everyone's but they like, play wow, him. they they got him for nothing. Yeah, because he's terrible. He's very bad. Um, but like uh, uh, the the Lions game, I got to go watch that one again. I don't know how Joe Barry coached a good game against the Lions. I have, oh, okay. They've Go been back trashed and watch lately. Again. Yeah. It turns out uh, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary had the games of their lives. Oh, they ate in that game, and a Goff can't throw, and he's under pressure. And, and, okay. and then also Goff crapped in his pantaloons yeah. and like fumbled the game away quite literally. All That's right. what happened. I get that one. Now, one thing the Packers can actually do well um, is 
pass rush. Like that's the one thing they can do well. And actually, a lot of the Barry philosophy is uh, we will play uh, the bend but don't break. We won't give up touchdowns. We'll make people go down the field. And at some point during going down the field, Rashawn Gary will get a ten yard sack, and that will cause a punt. Like that's a lot of what they do against the Lions. If you can actually get to golf, that's a really good strategy. So. I don't know why they didn't do it against the Giants, but yeah, here we are. Matthew Keating says, what is a bigger issue with the defense, the coach or the scheme itself? Also, how much blame does Goody deserve for the defensive substitute? He spent a lot of assets, sure, but it doesn't seem like the pieces fit together all that well. And there are some really big holes, safety, run, stuffing, big guys, etc. Real quickly, um, there, somebody made a reference before about somebody above LaFleur. And I think most people know this, but but Brian Gutekunst cannot fire the way that the Packers are currently structured. Cannot fire Joe Barry. He has no say over on-field personnel. This was established in 2019 with Mark Murphy where there are three separate silos. There's Matt LaFleur, there's Brian Gutekunst, there's Russ Ball. They answer separately to Mark Murphy. They do not. They, they work together, of course, but they do not have say over the people below them so for those thinking someone who's going to step in the only one who's going to do that is mark murphy mark murphy has shown that he would rather not be involved he has denied meddling before he does not want to do that so that's where we are it's matt lafleur is the one who's got to make the call what you're saying is they are the executive legislative and judicial and mark (laughs) murphy is the judicial branch of the 90s as opposed to the today i think i yes i think that's exactly what i'm saying um okay yeah, so I think coach is the answer. Uh, the scheme, like I said, I don't, I really don't think scheme matters that much. It's just you have to understand what's going on opposite and adjust your scheme to fit it. I'm sorry. I know that Justice is listening to this and like pulling his hair out right now. I don't care <laughs> going, because going like I, if they just ran man match quarters, it would all be better. But that's coaching. <laughs> that's not scheme. Like that is seeing what's going on on the other side and seeing your personnel and doing that. Like uh, it. it where you where you put your hand in the ground doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't. Like it, well, it, I, okay, I, I think we're. But you're also. It, it sounds like you're stuck on four three versus three four. No no no, not four three to... versus three four. Like uh, this is uh, you could play the base that Barry does with the stupid two safety d- deep look and the quick rotation, whatever the Fangio defense does. Um, but you you don't have to play zone all the time out of that scheme sure. like that's the yeah. thing like you don't have to do that you, <laughs> also they're they're they play man they, they don't do it often but they do it it's in the playbook so like you can do that and i, I agree hate. like justice is playing sir but like you can do match match course that's fine but like that's not a it's not like an entirely new scheme for them just like sure call the good plays i guess is what we often say the thing that i hate most about his his two safety deep look that that rotates to cover three yeah. literally every, every time. time. Every so time. Like, Don't why, do that. Why even feign that you're running cover yeah. two? This time we'll get him. No, no, you won't. You do the same stupid rotation every goddamn time. All right, we got a couple Jair Alexander questions that I'm going to lump together here because we got a lot of questions left that I want to get through. Jonathan Deal says, is Jair the Darius Slay to Barry's Matt Patricia? Also, <laughs> at what point do, you, do Murphy or Goody say to Matt, either you fire Barry or I fire both of you? <laughs> All right, in, in the offseason. Yeah. K Time 7 says, Adiosef Joseph, is that even a pun? Can you describe the spectrum of outcomes regarding the Jair situation? Um, nobody knows because Jair is a weird dude. Um, if he was on some kind of soft strike. Did you catch that? I caught that. I didn't see it. What? You Every time you say Jair, it J-R. sounds, sounds like, like you're saying, saying JR. 
Yes. JR. It does. JR is a weird dude. <laughs> JR is a weird right. dude. Carry on. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. Guessing what's going on inside of JR Alexander's head is, yeah, now I'm doing it on purpose. Um, yeah, I know. It is impossible. Um, and I would say, I wouldn't discount him being on sort of a soft strike or just a, I'm not feeling 100%, so I'm not going out there for this idiot who's coordinating our defense kind of strike. It's possible. I don't, like, uh, given Devondre Campbell sort of echoing those sentiments today, probably even more possible. Um, but I, I would take players at their word generally that they are hurt and that they, it seems, the weird thing about it is, if, you, if you're out this long, you should go on IR so that you can be replaced, and he didn't. But sometimes you just have an injury that lingers. And so the, the range of outcomes is like he walks off the team but, versus he's back next week and plays super awesome. So Do you, do you have yeah. to? Do you have to? Do you, do you have, have to let, to it, let linger? it linger? <laughs> yeah. I, I saw where you were going with that. It wasn't in an Irish enough accent, but it was fine. I know. Uh, uh, it's all, I, I, I want to jump ahead, back to the Darius Slay to Matt Patricia joke that yeah. Deal made. That's that's quite good. It is. Um Something that people don't realize. Patricia is now once again the DC over Darius Slay. He is. That did happen. This is a Hallmark movie in the making. Like, <laughs> because it's Christmas time and they have a chance to reconcile in the city of brotherly love. Maybe they shouldn't let game winning touchdowns at the end of they're regulation. Yeah, to they're going to make the playoffs. Smith Jigba. Yeah. Good on you, Seattle. Good game last night. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, I don't think I, 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 first of all, I do. I believe Jair Alexander is legitimately hurt. I don't think there's any shenanigans there. I could definitely be proven wrong, but I, I don't think so. I, I, when you go on IR, I, I think people remember this, but like you, you're not allowed to practice. That's a four week basically ban from practice too. And Jair Alexander has been practicing. So even though this injury is in my mind, not healing the way they wanted to, you know, he's always ready to go whenever he's whenever he feels good because he's been practicing he's been locked in you know if you're gonna go on ir it really is a full-fledged commitment to just not doing football for four weeks and that might not match up and in his specific case because they i think are covered at that position they really don't need like they don't need to replace a roster spot they don't need jair's roster spot so it's not as big of a risk to have him stick around thinking well maybe it's only a two-week thing or three-week thing and obviously it's been much much worse than that but um, I, I, I don't think there's anything too nefarious afoot there. He's obviously a very strange personality and that could, that could go wrong at any moment, but, but I think it's okay. I think it's going to be okay. I hope so. All right. Case of the Sunday berries. Uh, we've got other questions now that aren't related to Jair or to Joe some, Barry. Some of them are still Case related. of the, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Case of the Sunday berry says, hmm, a Joe Barry pun. I'm drawing a blank. Use my handle as the episode title. You cowards. <laughs> we'll see. That's on Paul. We'll find out. I'll go up a, a Patreon tier if you'll all tell us if you'll tell us about the Pack-A-Day Cheesehead TV and Acme Packing Company schism. This is news to me, by the way. Me too. We need to know the inner workings of podcast drama in these trying times. Paul, were you stunned like a podcasting pariah the first time you used data that suggested the Packers might not be good at something? <laughs> Matt, was it reckless speculation about player PED use? Kidding aside. I really don't get the jokes. I'm really sorry, guys. No, but right. Joe Barry is going to be talked to death here, so let's ask a question further afield. <laughs> Love has had some quite some time to develop in a safe environment. He's shown both flashes and inconsistency. Is there a metric-based definition for a high-variance quarterback? Is Love one? Yeah, he is, and there is. Yeah. Uh, it's 
it's the slugger it's actually a good cubops one it it's a guy with a high completion percent or a, a high yards per completion and a low completion percentage where uh if you hit on your not we say deep shots too much but love hits a lot of balls down the field if you hit on a lot of those you're going to win games if you have a bad week where those just don't connect you're not there have been a lot of successful high variance quarterbacks in the past the best is probably donovan McNabb. Um, and I think Love is a lot like Donovan McNabb, so I think that is a, a good comp there. Uh, and that is kind of oh, that guy. Culpepper. I was doing the Dante Culpepper, yeah. and I realized I had the that, wrong yeah, quarterback. Dante quarterback. Culpepper yeah. and Donovan uh, McNabb are two different people. I got those. <laughs> those guys were nothing alike, but I got them mixed up all the time just because their names were similar. Dante yeah. Culpepper, Donovan McNabb. I don't yeah. know what it is. Okay, uh, so also the, the podcast schism, that was like, what, two years ago when, when we had the rivalry? I, I guess the fake rivalry. I do think. Yeah. Uh. So. So. First of all, this is going to be instantly disproven because Andy and Justice do podcasts together all the time. Yeah. And so that one gone. I feel like Cheesehead TV has gotten a little more insular over time. Um. In in having random people like me on, and this is not a complaint. This is uh, the, those guys can do what they want. I feel like they've leaned into, um, much more obviously positive coverage all the time um carry the g has really become a mantra for them they do it it seems to serve them well and it's not like they like never talk to us or anything like that not at all aaron negler just retweeted me the other day like yay for that um always happy to have that um but like i do think as competition has grown amongst the podcast there's a little bit less um, lovey-dovey sharing that goes on as well. I do think that's a thing that's happened. That's natural and it's fine. And you know, uh, I won't see a, say a bad thing about any of those guys. Uh, I think Cheesehead TV has done very well by themselves. I think Packaday is great, and uh, you know, we do our thing here too. So. Also, like, pe- do people forget that I was one of the founding members of Packaday? People do forget that. <laughs> <laughs> people forget, Matub. Yeah, I Zach need a flowchart because, yeah, like Zach Jacobson I- and I were the first. Uh, people to interview anyone of substance for pack a day uh like we got former yeah. players on our episodes yeah but there's not um, a schism like honestly we all get along pretty well okay, when like we talk randomly and um uh tyler who runs the cheesehead yeah. tv socials um i had a four and a half hour layover in o'hare and tyler and i met up and like had coffee and had a great time talking. To I actually other. i think i saw him there the other day and uh, he was headed out so i didn't stop him but <laughs> <laughs> I need a flow chart because I am not deeply entrenched in Packers Twitter. I obviously follow a few people here, a few people there. I don't even know necessarily off the top of my head who the Packaday like group is, who the Cheesehead TV group is. I, I I have a lot of respect for like guys like Aaron Nagler that you see everywhere. I have a lot of respect for a lot of these people. Yeah. It's it's cool to yeah. see. It's I, a, it's I a like good, call good it a... group of diverse podcasters doing different things. So also yeah, like, I, I think that I will never say like a just a bad word about Nagler. He is the reason that I'm probably sitting here. Like he boosted my content so much in the beginning of me making it that like I have the audience that I do because of him. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know. Aaron's rubbed some people the wrong way. I, I, I like talking to Aaron. He's he's a good dude. Yeah, you know. All right, uh, we're gonna keep moving. Dennis Williams is zone inherently more difficult to execute than man. If so, if that's all we run, is there an expectation that we end up with more misses and opportunities for mediocre quarterbacks to carve us up? Sub question: If allowed, what does the rest <laughs> of the league run, or is it where teams know how to do both and when it's the right time for each? I think to start with part two, I'm gonna leave part one to Matt. I think who can answer it better, but uh, I, I know I know the answer to two, which is 
most of the league runs mostly zone. Uh, zone is run like 65, 70% of the time. Um, and, uh, but, but yes, um, teams that know how to do both and when are going to be the best defenses. That's 100% correct. Okay. Also, so zone is one of those situations where if you screw up, there's supposed to be someone else to help. Whereas in a man situation, if you screw up, it's a it's six. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of the the, the mantra, I guess. Um, but what you run into with zone is you really cannot give time. If you allow more than two and a half seconds, you're going to have a soft spot and it's going to be exploited. Extra problem when you run across an offensive coordinator who knows how to spread out your zone and read the soft spots from the snap and you have a quarterback who's not a total mashed potato brain like Baker Mayfield has his problems but like he's not a terrible quarterback and yeah then yeah. you're just going to you're going to get destroyed yeah i'd say generally man is more high risk high reward it also is harder to run against running quarterbacks um unless you leave a spy for him which is difficult to do because you might not be carding somebody if you do that um but there is a time for it one of the big berry problems is Running too much of that, we, we just say soft zone, means a zone that you will be able to complete a pass against if given enough time uh, in high leverage situations. High leverage situations are good times to run man, to um, make the offense commit to a low percentage pass because the result, if it is not complete, is a turnover. Like that's, you know, you get a punt, you get the ball back, whatever. Um, and we just don't do that. That's, I would say, the biggest Barry problem. All right, Price Trozen says on Tampa's last touchdown, pre-snap Rudy Ford was visibly upset and confused. He was gesturing wildly, and his teammates seemed to pay him no heed. Talking about Jonathan Owens there. Yep. Uh, the play subsequently blew up, leading to the dagger. In this situation, wouldn't Matt LaFleur think a timeout in this situation would be a good idea, regardless if he burned one in a McCarthy-esque challenge earlier? <laughs> and I apologize for being obvious, but the 90s album name to describe this week is Dookie, Green Day, 1994. I disagree because Dookie is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's, good, it's in the name. It's in the but it's yes. a good yeah. name, but it, it is a masterpiece of an album. Um, um, in terms of the the play itself, by that time, I'm not sure it mattered that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, a timeout probably would have been warranted given the gravity of the play, I guess. But you're splitting hairs because. The comeback you were going to have to put on would also have been greatly aided by a timeout. And um, it's just one of those situations where you screwed up and there isn't a good solution. It's either going to cost you a timeout or it's going to cost you maybe a touchdown, maybe you get lucky. So uh, he would have been warranted, but I get why he didn't do it too. Also, I don't uh, think that was McCarthy-esque challenge. The replay really looked like Jones got it. Like it really did. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He does. He does occasionally let emotion be his guide when it comes to uh, when it comes to making challenges. Challenges, think, yeah. So. yeah. Um, I, I'm also gonna throw another album. Live through this by whole because <laughs> Packers Packers are gonna live through this. Uh, and and it's so you know we came into the season thinking it'll be considered a success if Jordan Love shows improvement, even if they win like seven or eight games. Well, okay, that's where we're headed. That's what's going to happen. And it's still not going to be feeling like it is success because they had, they could taste the playoffs there yep. for a second. It feels so much like 2008 where his first year of Aaron Rodgers, 
they they beat a 12 and 4 Colts team that year. They beat Minnesota. They were 4 and 3 at one point. Then they lost a game to Tennessee in overtime. All the rest of the games except for two. So and one of them was against the 0 16 Lions. Shouts right. to Joe Barry Shouts again. To Joe Barry. Uh, <laughs> but um you know it, it it really like you look at these skilled guys, it really does feel like the start of something special. And it, the frustration is they have pumped all the resources into the defense and it is not bearing fruit, at least not to the degree that you would like it to. But there there is so much to like about what's transpired as as bad as this is wrapped up. You know, it is important to kind of keep that yeah. that big picture too. And and maybe they make the playoffs still. That's still on the yeah, table. Maybe it's... could happen. I can't yep. believe we're on the uh, cusp of a top ten pick and a playoffs spot. Yep. Right? It's, that's it's what that's it's what nuts. happens in the modern age here. Uh you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Title recommendation putting a berry on top of this shit Sunday. Um <laughs> Yes, that would be a that good That works title. on many levels. Yes. That would could be good for SEO and Apple censorship and all that good stuff. Yes. For the long-term health of the Packers, is it actually a good thing if the Packers' defense gives Love his Rodgers 2008 season? Hmm, weird. I was just talking about that. Which is to say, a bad record, no playoffs, leading to a new defensive coordinator while he otherwise puts up good individual stats. Or am I just huffing copium? For Canola's dose. Yeah, why not both? There's pluses and minuses (laughs) to everything, and if that is what happens, it could end up being a big plus. Uh, I think, I do feel like they're not going anywhere with Barry, and getting rid, like, if they had made the playoffs just three weeks ago, we were talking about Barry's probably coming back next year. And if that happens, that's probably bad. Like, that's probably bad for the team. They probably are gelling into a good team and not making the playoffs because their defense sucks. So, yes, it's that's good copium. It makes sense. And haven't we reached the point now where they went out? Like, the, Joe Barry's not going to be here next year. Yeah, I think year. he's toast. It, so, well, we I mean, kind of reached the point where expires. just win, baby. Yep. They, they have to actively re-sign him. Yeah, they will let it expire yep. at this point. And they could, you know, so they're playing with house money now, baby. Just go window get the games. It ooh, doesn't ooh, matter. Ooh. You're going to. Uh, 90s album, Super Unknown, Soundgarden. Mm, very yeah, good album, that, too. That's a 90s album, all right. Flilla Joel. It's got Black Hole Sun. It does. It does. <laughs> Wash Away the Pain. You know? It's... Yes. Uh, Soundgarden. Very cheery band. It definitely fits the vibe. <laughs> Clearly, Joel Osment, look, going forward, does the team build the love strengths or keep pigeonholing uh, Shanahan scheme with the wrong skill players? I like the skill players. I don't get the question, Flaley Joel, um, especially Kraft. Uh, Kraft is good for that system. Um, I feel like Wicks and Reed are both good for that system. Um honestly Watson if he stays healthy is fine for it he's been great so far Musgrave's a little bit of a weird fit but you can make that work that's totally fine so I like yes they could use a Kyle Juszczyk uh Josiah DeGuerra isn't that or anything else but like that's not the biggest deal in the world that's okay I mean is is Musgrave a Juszczyk no he's not (laughs) he's like he's like a Kittle true He's more like that. You have a Kittle and a Kelsey. That's what you got. So, yay for that. <laughs> okay. Just a couple of Hall of Famers. It's perfect. Ryan Ziegler says, going all the way back through the early 70s, the Packers have rarely had a successful defensive scheme and staff. Fritz Shermer, a few years of capers, and a whiff of Ed Donatel is what the success on defense looks like. Damn. We can make fun of Chicago all we like for being unable to develop a quarterback since dirt was invented, but we clearly have had the same issue figuring out how to run a defense. The only logical option is to try again, but the culture that is being developed feels like it may be a bigger problem than can be resolved. 
Wow, it sounds like Ryan wants us to sign Lovey Smith. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> uh, this is all true, first of all. Yes, correct. Um, Capers, I feel like, put a couple good ones out there after the Super Bowl run. Like they got like they got close before they moved on from him a couple of times. Just didn't quite get it done. And part of the problem the Packers have compared to the Bears is they're usually paying for a Hall of Fame quarterback and are usually filling in parts of the defense with other random people who aren't as good. Like it, it's not a design choice so much as it is a your success does have a cost in the NFL, and that is one of the costs. All right. That's boy five. A couple of weeks ago, the intro was fairy tale of New York. Kudos for that, as it was appropriate and a great homage to the passing of Sean McGowan. All right, it is one of my favorite Christmas songs. My next favorite would be Joe Barry got run over by a reindeer. What say you? Favorite <laughs> holiday song? <laughs> um, I do love fairy tale of New York. And if you didn't see Shane McGowan's funeral where Glenn Hansard sang it with a bunch of people, uh, go check that out on YouTube. It is excellent. Um, the uh, I, I like a lot of Sufjan Stevens stuff. Uh, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing is excellent by him. Uh, his O Holy Night is excellent. He's got a lot of other originals that are very good. The Low Christmas album is excellent. If you put on the Hipster Christmas channel on Pandora, it'll be like one of the first four songs that's on it. Um, and um, Matt Pond PA's Snow album is also very good. I recommend all those. What about you, Matub? What's your Christmas? Uh, what's your favorite? So I was a choir kid in high school, right? And uh, as a senior in high school, things that you wanted were the lead in the musical and the O Holy Night solo. Mm, And so O Holy Night holds a very special place in my heart. And I mean the, like, classic recording of it. So, yeah, that that would be it for me. My serious answer would be O Holy Night, but not the Josh Groban-esque. Yes, that's every house. You You don't want that. Hit the range. The humble, the the humility of like a Tracy Chapman. She has a version of it that I love, love, love. So that's my serious answer. Uh, I am not a Christmas person. I don't like it at all. It's very, it's just my least favorite time of year. And I therefore choose I Won't Be Home for Christmas by Blink-182, which is an anti-Christmas <laughs> song that I quite enjoy. That's my that's my actual answer, but uh, I do like A Holy Night. I like I like the Christmas hymns. It's hard, yeah. it's hard not to like them. They're, they're kind of dope. They're good. The Mark Luc- Hackett says, oh, oh go ahead. Real quick, the St. Lucia song is good, too. There's not a definitive recording of it out there, but that's a good one if you can find one. Mark Hackett says, Matt LaFleur is just David Brent, isn't he? Passive, weak. Even those locker room videos after wins are cringeworthy and reminiscent of the UK office dance-off scene. Is he the type of person you want to lead and or improve a young group? He does have an interesting tenor for a football coach. I will say that. Like, um, I don't like. I don't mind it. Guys seem to respect him, but uh, you know he's not like a Gerarg guy, which is a little unusual. But it does happen in the Shanty School so with some regularity. So um, I think that you judge someone's leadership based on how well the people underneath him actually execute, and that seems to go pretty well. So um, I'm not judging a book by its cover. There, uh, he seems to do fine, and uh, I will continue to do that. Plus the ladies I, uh, like I'm... looking at him. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch Hard Knocks right after this. Mike McDaniel, the Miami Dolphins, similar sort of uh, a nerdier vibe certainly than Matt Lafleur, but but non traditional. You know, he's not a guy who's gonna scream and get in your face. He's he's going to at times, but it's more about. It seems like it's more about relationships. It's more about backing it up with science, with data, with you know just 
that's where football is. You know, there's there's so much information, and yep. I feel like I there's just you know we're we're way past the era. Also, where like are traditional you gonna, football coaches. Are you gonna judge like Belichick by his cover? Who's also not like a Gerard guy, but it's just like a weird grump in a, a hoodie. Like that's also non traditional. A sleeveless fine. Yeah. <laughs> also, by the way, Mike McDaniel is that like effortlessly cool nerd that you meet in college like <laughs> yeah I, uh, yep I, I think he does fit the mold of like the cool head coach i love watching hard knocks this season i am so into it mike mcdaniel rock star i am all in on the dolphins i really <laughs> hope they do well they got a couple wisconsin badgers in prominent roles alec ingold among them walter payton man of the year nominee yep. i am all in on the miami dolphins this happens every damn year with hard knocks they even made me like the lions and the vikings before that or no the vikings that was that was kirk cousins on that quarterback show but like they i don't like it i don't like what they do to me here uh scott says i've seen enough of this team and i have no questions about them my <laughs> hopes for this season are dead and buried ah nice so how does one be so how does one become some kind of cheese engineer anyway <laughs> okay <laughs> uh okay so i'm technically an automation engineer and because i have dairy experience i got hired by a cheese company um so honestly once you get your foot in the door in the dairy industry as long as you don't burn any bridges you're kind of in there for life excellent so you're the cheese AI guy. Sure. Automation. Well, I mean, automation and AI, I feel like, feel like well, strange bad, so bell, similar funny bad. Funny enough to, to get into the, the weeds just a little, little bit. Um, most of the programming that I do is done through a type of language called ladder logic, where you're essentially drawing pictures. Um, and uh, chat GPT cannot program my language. Yep. So I'm, I'm, because it I'm doesn't safe. draw. That's right. It, it, yeah, it, it's it can like only asking, do structure. It's text. like scratch, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Matting Lee's sideburns. If you are playing Duck Duck Goose with the 2023 Green Bay Packers, who are you selecting as the goose and why is it Devondre Campbell? <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately think I have a better chance of outrunning Devondre Campbell than I do like TJ Slayton. <laughs> Poor Devondre Campbell. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> it's been a tough. It's been tough for Devondre. Yep. Tough, tough scene after that. You know, a little bit like Zadarius Smith, not in terms of like actual personal, like just having that one exemplary year, and then it getting very confusing after that. Yeah. Oh, Michael so McNamara. Slow. Michael McNamara says, "Does Paul have any good ideas for Matt's profile picture? Because you so, want to bet." Yeah. So before yes. the podcast, we were trying to remember what the bet was, and we couldn't. But we did remember that I won it. So. <laughs> I don't, but I will come up with something this week. Maybe there'll be a vote. Who knows? <laughs> I love that we have a bet and we don't remember what it was. That's so good. Uh, last question. I am the very mo model of a modern major general Asilatam. Is Matt LaFleur's weakness assessing coaching talent? And as we've said, yeah. possibly. Yeah, yeah, it is. It just is. Uh, across the Ouch. board. But we're done. Finally. So happy holidays, guys. Um don't don't know if we're gonna. I don't know what the podcast is gonna look like last week. If anything, Christmas is, uh, is Monday, right? And I'm Monday, gonna yes. I'm gonna be at a Great Wolf Lodge for at least part of the recording hey, period. I literally was just at Great Wolf Lodge. <laughs> Sweet. Wow, that's a lot of chlorine. It is. It's a lot of chlorine. It's gonna be a very dry Christmas. <laughs> and, um. So I don't know. There might be something, but um, we might take a week off. It's the holidays. We'll we'll see how everything goes. But oh, what if what if we do a Top Gear did? And have a Boxing Day special where we all go on a road trip and everybody gets mad at the young guy. It sounds better than going to Great Wolf Lodge, so I'm 
<laughs> or to a Carolina Panthers game where there's nobody who goes to the game. And if they kidnap the defensive coordinator for the Panthers, I'm not sure anyone's going to be there to see the crime. Yeah. So hey, this JR, might be the week you, to do it. Good call. Did you see what the Panthers tickets were going for on SeatGeek last week? 45 cents, baby. 45 cents. <laughs> That's awesome. 5,000 people went to an NFL game where you could get a ticket for 50 Four. cents. Quite nearly the worst attendance on record. 2023, uh, was, where you course, could go to a football game for 41 cents. 45 <laughs> cents. It was, it was, of course, a driving rainstorm, but also it was Carolina Panthers football. And by God, they won a game. They beat the they beat the Atlanta Falcons. What a time to be they alive. They sure did. Um, they beat the Falcons by not scoring a touchdown. They did that also. If they score against us, it will be very sad. All right, before we go, JR, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, a couple things quick. First of all, I did karaoke for the first time in my life. Nice. Woo! I did. We 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 didn't start the fire at the company Christmas party. Had a very good time. It worked out very very well. I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, also tonight, uh, I played trivia for the first time in a long time. We won. We took first place. Part of it was me being able to name successfully the seven teams that have won back to back Super Bowls. Ooh, fun! I'll put you guys on the spot. Can you do it? The seven teams that have won back to back Super Bowls. All right. Um. Packers. Packers. Um uh, yes, that's true. The Packers have done that. <laughs> Patriots. Patriots is correct. Uh, um, Although it we had to think about it. That goes back to the the, the Panthers and Eagles back to back in 04 05. Yeah. Uh Steelers. Yeah. Uh the Steelers have done it. That's correct. Cowboys. The Cowboys have done it, yes. Uh, they actually the only Super Bowl rematch is Cowboys Bills back to back years. Yeah. Cowboys won both times. Um see this is a great podcast it I is love the a lot of silence <laughs> I, i'm stuck here because because we are all right did all the right. raiders do the, it well uh, no the raiders no. didn't they uh, once their share of super bowls but they're the they're the one that we had written down that we ended up crossing off okay okay think uh first of all think a team that beat the packers then went on to win their follow-up super oh bowl. stupid freaking broncos yes all right now speaking of the broncos let's go back to the very late 80s Maybe early night, maybe 1990, like 88, 89. There it is. And then uh, the undefeated 72 team was one of them who won. The, Dolph- uh, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins went back went to back. back, to back? The Dolphins went back to back. That's correct. 72, 74. Okay. Yep. Oh. Sure enough. All right. Mm. <sighs> oh, yes, the um, Raiders. My, are the my parents weren't thought, even but... in high school when that happened, so I can't really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's just fun stuff. Personal side. Uh, on the work side at jsonline.com, there's. I mean, there's Joe Barry stuff that we've written about. We'll have some year-end stuff. That stuff never really does super great. So I don't know. I've got my quotes of the year, Wisconsin sports quotes of the year that you can look for here. Landing, I probably try to look ahead a little bit, look at some things in 2024. You may hear me on the Green 19 podcast, the uh, Journal Sentinel Zone or PackersNews.com podcast, official podcast covering the Green Bay Packers with Tom Silverstein and Ryan Wood. Uh, my colleague Cassidy Hill has left to become a, a reporter with the Carolina Panthers, so her first game as a member of the Panthers payroll will be against her the team she just covered, the Green Bay Packers. So uh, I'll be helping out a little bit to get us through the rest nice. of the season. If but. she's not careful, she'll end up as the head coach. So yeah, Dang good, right. Good luck, Cassidy, Cassidy. Cassidy Hill, future, <laughs> future Carolina Panthers coach. So uh, you know that's uh, might be another place where you can hear my voice this week. It'll be kind of fun. Check out Green 19. Alright, Matt, you got anything? Nope. As always, uh, call your best friend. Tell him you love him. Open your best bottles. Life is short. All right. Um, I'll have something up this week. I got the Shepherd thing up right now. Uh, Minipod will be on Friday for Carolina. Um, it it will um, 
I have to figure out how the Carolina Panthers may actually beat the Packers, and I don't think it's going to be as hard as it uh, it, it was going to be like two weeks ago. So we'll we'll do that. But keep an eye out for that. Uh, everybody have a safe and happy holiday. We will be back sometime in the future. Uh, and uh, in, enjoy the game. Go Pack it. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.